Um, we are going to jump into the book of Hebrews this morning. We have three messages left in this series. And my plan this morning was to try to get through 17 verses of chapter 12. And I wrote the message and I got through two. So um, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to really focus on these first two verses. Listen, Hebrews, the entire book reads like a sermon. Okay, so if you have an opportunity to do this, maybe um, if you like have the Bible app or something like that, you can have it read to you even. Um, but if you have a chance to do this, to just sit down and listen to the entire book as a whole, it, it'll basically preach a sermon to you. But what's so incredible about this book is there's so much depth that in these two verses, in a few lines, there's so much um, richness here that I just like, I mean, I could preach the entire past, the entire message this morning on the first verse, which is pretty much what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd encourage you on your own time to just read through it as a whole because it, it really just has some incredible truth about Scripture and it teaches you a lot about who Jesus is and why it's so important that we believe what we believe. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 12 and we're going to read through verses 1 and 2. And you'll see this word again, therefore. And we've seen this word over and over and over again in Scripture. And that's because each chapter is building on the next. Each, each paragraph, each phrase is building on the next. Um, and it's, it's just so incredible how we get this picture of who Christ is as this one, who, Jesus, who was greater than the angels, who was greater than Moses, who uh, came and was our great high priest, who was in the order of Melchizedek, who was a, a greater priest than the Levitical line. And now we're getting to this part where when we place our faith in him, um, the transformation that happens as a result. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, this passage resonates with me because I, I love running. I know that's weird. I know that's not like a normal thing, but I love running. And so this idea of running a race, um, I've run in a few different races. I've yet to win one. Um, but there is an excitement. There's an excitement on race day when you get together and you're running with this big pack of people. And so this passage just kind of invokes these incredible memories for me of those moments, and it gives us this picture of living our lives as a race, as running this incredibly challenging race and doing it with a focus and a purpose in mind. And so I want to give you five things right from this passage today about running your race. And the first thing it says is, therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I mentioned it reads like a sermon. It's referencing the past passage that we just talked about last week, the hall of faith, right? All the different heroes of our faith. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Moses. We talked about all these great people. We talked about 
Abel and, and how um, each one of them uh, were commended to God because of their great faith in him. And since all of those people have gone before us, right? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run this race. So the first thing I want you to understand is that we need to remember where we came from. Remember where you came from. Now, my least favorite uh, college class at the time was Church History 2. Now, I, I know that's very specific. There were two church histories. There was Church History 1 and Church History 2. And in Church History 2, the reason that I did not like it was because the teacher that I had was incredibly boring, and the class time was at 7.15 in the morning on Mondays. Now, being a, a, a less than perfect college student and probably enjoying my time a little bit too much at North Central, um, 7.15 on Monday morning was not a good time for me. And I actually failed church history too. Can you believe it? I failed church history too. Not because I did poorly on the tests or because I didn't turn in the assignments. The reason that I failed church history too was because I overskipped the class. I slept in too many times and because of that, I had an automatic F in the class. And I had to retake church history too, my least favorite class. And the second time that I took it, it was again at 7.15 in the morning, but I had a different professor the next time around, and um, he was a nerd. I, I, there's just no other way to describe him. Um, he came every morning at 7.15 with his bottle of Diet Coke and um, managed to make church history to um, one of the most fun classes that I was a part of. Uh, it just, he had this kind of like sarcastic sense of humor, and he brought to life all of these characters from the Great Schism to the Reformation, um, some of the heroes of our faith. And I learned um, in that class to appreciate some of the history of our church and what has brought us to the place where we are today. I learned about some of those early church heroes like Martin Luther like John Wesley, learned about Charles Spurgeon, and now I'm appreciating these characters, men like Billy Graham, men who dedicated their lives to the work of the gospel. In fact, uh, even to people who directly influenced me today, I didn't learn about these people in the class, but, but they are heroes of my faith. My grandparents are heroes of my faith because they led our family so well in, in in faith and, and I grew because of the heritage that I inherited from them. Now, I've told you this uh, probably before, but I've run two different marathons. Uh, I've run the Twin Cities Marathon twice, and I've run the Grandma's Marathon once. And I will run the Twin Cities a hundred times again before I ever run Grandma's Marathon again. And I will, I will tell you this. It's not because of the scenery, because Grandma's Marathon is one of the most beautiful experiences you will ever see. It's right on the lakeshore. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But for the first 23 miles of the race, you hardly see a person. And at the Twin Cities Marathon, there are spectators and people along the entire route. And I don't know about you, but when I'm running 26 miles, I need somebody telling me that I'm good. Right? I need some support. 
I need some friends alongside of me. And that encourages me and lifts me. I need the cloud of witnesses. And as we're walking in our faith journey, if you're walking alone, you're never going to be successful. That's why God designed the church. He designed people who went before us, who were heroes, who set the tone as to what it means to be a believer in Christ, to have faith in him, to live our lives in a pattern after them. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. There's been so many people in my life that I've learned what it means to follow Christ by watching their example. And God has set you in a place with a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us and those who are running alongside of us. And we need that in our life. We need those people. We need to remember where we came from. We need to remember our history, our heritage. But then remembering where we're at, the next thing that we need to do is to drop the baggage. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. You know, as I was preparing this week and planning to talk about this, um, I planned specifically to talk about sin here. But I woke up at 1.30 in, in the morning today, just out of nowhere, and, and this verse just started playing in my mind. I just started hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. And I realized something as I was thinking about it this morning. That it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. In other words, it's not just sin that is weighing you down. There are things in your life that are a hindrance to the race that you're running. And then finally, I fell back to sleep. <laughs> it was a long, it was a, it was a short night of sleep. But um, I'm, here are some things that could be potential weights, and this is not, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, past hurts. People that have hurt you and harmed you in the past, that can be a burden on your heart. Uh, maybe it's fear of failure. Right? You're worried about um, being successful when God calls you to do something Maybe it's insecurity in who you are, not being confident of who God made you to be. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's anger. Listen, if you don't address these issues, then it becomes sin, right? Uh, it's not a sin to be hurt by somebody, but if you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, it becomes sin, right? It's not a sin to be insecure but if jealousy and envy take over your life, it's sinful. If you're dealing with any of those things or with other things that I didn't even mention, I want to give you some great advice. You should stop. You're welcome. I, th I thought you'd appreciate that. I, I mean, this is, I just gave you the key right there to a successful life. Just, just stop with your insecurity. Stop with your uh, anxiety. Stop with your laziness, your anger, your, your past hurts. Just stop. Right now, I say that facetiously, of course, um, but here's the deal. Those things are like weights on your body. Or it's like trying to run with the wrong equipment. Like, if, have you ever tried running in, ladies tried running in high heels before? Right? It's a, it's a, it's a lot more challenging prospect than running in running shoes. 
or maybe it's running in jeans instead of shorts or something like that. It's like trying to run with the wrong equipment. And that's what we do when we carry these extra burdens, where we carry these weights around our neck and around our shoulders. We make it so much harder for ourselves. Now, there is a solution, and I will get to it. I promise I'm not going to just tell you to just stop, okay? We won't leave you hanging like that. But let's move on. And the next line in this verse is, it says, let us run with endurance. Can I ask you a question? How How do you get endurance? How do you get endurance? You get endurance in running by running and running and running. And then when you're tired, you run some more. And eventually, you build up stamina. You're able to keep going longer and further. And the same thing in our normal life as we run this race, as we walk with Christ, as we take this journey on with him, and as we learn to trust him, and as we push the boundaries of what we can expect um, and, and what we think we can do, God expands our ability to trust him even more. Galatians 6, 9 says this. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. The reason I love this verse so much is it reminds us that doing the right thing doesn't always produce immediate results, but doing the right thing with consistency does. Doing the right thing over and over and over and over again. It says in due season, in God's timing, when when he wants it to work a certain way, it will work if we don't give up. I was just uh, looking this week. We use a church software called Planning Center, and we've started using it in 2017. And most of you, like every time you get an email from Planning Center, you're like, oh no, where do they want me to serve today, right? Because <laughs> we use it to schedule all our volunteers. But um, we've had over 1,300 people that have uh, made their way into our church software over the last six years. 1,300 people. Now, I, I, I don't think there's 1,300 here today. I, I mean... You know, it's, it's, it's not bad, but I, I think we're probably a few under that. Um, and I, I understand, I mean, many of those people are, are visitors from out of town or people that have moved to a new area or people that have decided to attend a different church for whatever reason. I'm perfectly fine with all of that. But what I'm not fine with are others who have come here and experienced the presence of God in a powerful way, but have wandered away from a consistent faith in Christ. And it was like their faith journey, their encounter with Christ was like a season of their life. I'm not okay with that. Your faith in Christ isn't a season, it's a lifelong race. And we got to make it to the finish line. And we need to do everything in our power to bring as many people across that line with us as we possibly can. It's not easy to finish the race. That's why Jesus said this. <coughs> Matthew 7, For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, And the way is hard 
that leads to life. And those who find it are few. If you're here and you're feeling discouraged in your walk with the Lord, don't give up. Don't give up. We are with you in this journey. And God doesn't want you to be left behind. Fourth one is this. Run your race. Run your race. Goes on to tell us the race that is set before us. God has a specific race for you to run. One of the most devastating things that you can do as a runner is to try to match another runner that's in a different bracket of ability than you are or, or maybe a different pace or stride or whatever it might be. Um, I, I know that most of you are a little bit aware of my competitive side. Uh, have you guys caught on to that yet? I am, I am a little bit competitive. A lot, maybe a lot. Um, and I'm not so delusional to think that I am the fastest person on the planet. Uh, but I, if there's one thing I hate when I'm running... I hate getting past. I, I mean, it just, it just bothers me to my core. I, I can't take it. It just, something inside of me just, I, I get so angry and so frustrated. And I remember this was a number of years ago, probably seven, eight years ago. And uh, I was running at Lake Calhoun, which is about a three, little over three mile loop. It's not called that anymore, I forget. Um, but uh, anyway, I was running around that, and I was, I was training for my first marathon. I had not run one yet. And I was running around this track, and I heard footsteps behind me. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Not today. And so I went from my you know, very comfortable training pace, and I picked up the pace. And I was, I was flying. I mean, I was really, really moving. Like, I was pushing the boundary of, of what was comfortable for me. And I still was hearing footsteps. I'm like, what is going on? And so I picked it up again. I, I went a little bit faster. 30 seconds later, still hearing footsteps. I'm like, what is going on? What do I have to do to lose this person? And eventually I'm like, I can't continue. So I slow down a little bit and this person passes me and I'm like, it's a girl. <laughs> now, I know that's sexist. I know. I know. But it still hurt me deep inside. I'm like, nope, not today. And so she takes off. She's probably 50 meters ahead of me. I'm like, I'm catching up again. So I, I picked up my pace again. And I got up close enough to her to see the back of her shirt that said, Notre Dame track and field. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> today... We're going to lose this one. And, <laughs> and she takes off again, and I'm just like, and all of a sudden, I, I feel this searing pain in my knee. I'm like, oh, no. I, I know that feeling. I've experienced that before. I overdid it. Like, I pushed too hard. I ended up having to take three weeks off because of my stupidity. Right? Instead of doing my 35-year-old workout... I was trying to compete with some college track and field athlete. <laughs> this is what happens when we try to run somebody else's race. 
uh, I heard a message by a speaker named Robert Madu talking about this uh, verse, and he drew a comparison to 1 Samuel 18 when David and Saul came home from a battle. And this was when they were still kind of on the same team. And, and the women of the town started singing songs about them. And they said, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Now you can imagine what that did to the ego of the king of Israel. Right? In that moment, he was very jealous of David. And it says something very interesting in that moment. It finishes that passage by saying, from that day forward, Saul kept his eye on David. Now there's a a famous saying. It's that comparison is the thief of joy. Right? God can be doing something incredible in your life, but the moment you start longing for somebody else's experience, you're in a bad place. There's a a simple solution to the first four challenges that we've talked about already. It's to fix our eyes on Jesus. Listen, I know it sounds simple to focus on Jesus, right? But, and I know that that seems like, oh yeah, well, obviously that's, that's what I need to do. But let me ask you a question. When you're driving a car, do you... Um, pay close attention to all the things that you want to avoid, right? Like, do you stare at the ditch to make sure that you don't go into it? Do you stare at the tree on the side of the road that you want to avoid? No, you fix your attention on the center of the road. You look where you want to go. One of my friends who's a really good golfer, he, he told me one of the things that you have to do when you're, when you're preparing to hit your tee shot, is you have to pick the most specific spot that you want that ball to land. You don't say, I'm going to try to hit this somewhere in the fairway. That's too big of a space. You pick a blade of grass in the middle of that fairway. You say, I'm going to hit that blade of grass. Then if you miss by two or three yards, you're still in the fairway, right? But if you think, don't hit that ball in the water, don't hit that ball in the water, don't hit that ball in the water... All your mind is telling your body to do is hit that ball in the water. And some of us, we live our lives as Christians that way, where we get so focused on the thing that we're trying to avoid, where we're struggling with some of those heavy weights that I talked about earlier, things like anxiety or fear, things like um, insecurity. Uh, We focus on those things and trying to overcome that rather than focusing on Jesus. And we give all our attention to the problem rather than giving our attention to the solution. Focus on Jesus. It sounds simple, but it's so profound. It's so true. And I'm going to say something, and I want you to understand this. I am not trying to be harsh when I say this. I'm telling you this because I want God's best for you. But some of you need to stop making excuses about what people have done to you or about where you come from and start focusing your attention on the one who can bring you freedom and healing and hope. 
you already have everything that you need to overcome the challenges in your life. And I'm not saying that to beat you up. That's not the point at all. I'm just saying that there's freedom, there's victory that's available for you if you're ready to walk through that door. Stop wearing those weights of guilt and sin and shame like a badge of honor and lay them down at the cross instead. Peter tells us to cast our cares on Christ. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about you. So that was verse 1. 17 more to go. Just kidding. Let's close with this next verse. This is such an amazing picture of how kind of God draws this this parallel between the way that we should live our lives, running the race that we run, and the way that Jesus lived his life. It's really fascinating if you look at it this way. As we've just read this verse, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We've been surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Ditch the baggage and run to Jesus. Look at Jesus. And then verse 2 says this, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. (coughs) So it starts with the reminder that Jesus is greater than any of the legends of our faith. All those people that we read about in Hebrews 11, Moses, Abel, right? Abraham, the great heroes. But Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that is the answer to all our problems. And as we run with our target fixed on Jesus, he lived his life with the target as well. It's so incredible. It says that he walked with the, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. His eyes were on the joy set before him. Well, what is that? Can I tell you something? Jesus came to earth for one reason. It was for you. You are the joy set before him. He endured the pain of the cross for you. He suffered shame for you. He finished that work because of his love for you. How do I know that's the case? Look at this verse. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love 
not that we had loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So if we take those two verses and we understand the sacrifice that Jesus made because of his great love for you and his great love for me, then it requires a conscious decision on our part to fix our attention on Jesus. You know, I, I believe that, that God woke me up this morning because there are a lot of people here that are carrying baggage. And if you're not willing to unload that baggage at the foot of the cross, to cast your cares on Christ, it's going to make you bitter. It's going to turn into sinful behavior. And it's going to drive you away from the love of Jesus. But the good news is that in order to lay that down, all we have to do is receive the love of Christ to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the one that has solutions. If you go on to read the rest of the chapter, it talks about how God loves us and demonstrates us, demonstrates that love for us through discipline. Now, nobody likes to be disciplined, but a good parent understands that discipline is setting your child up for success later on in life. And in the same way that a good parent disciplines his child, God teaches us, God corrects us because he doesn't want us to run carrying a bunch of weight that what he never intended for us to carry. So whatever you've walked in here with today, leave it. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. Fix your attention on Christ, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross for the joy set before him because of his great love for you. If those verses don't move your heart, then something's wrong. But if you just continue to say, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay the way I am, don't allow God to transform your life. You'll never experience the freedom in finishing that race. I, I will never forget the moment that I finished my first marathon. And I, I tell this to anybody who signs up for a marathon. There is no greater feeling in the world than crossing that, that finish line. I, it's just amazing. Like in the, at Twin Cities Marathon, they have this giant American flag. Like hanging from a crane a quarter mile before the finish line and you get over the hill and you see that flag and I just, I just started bawling in that moment. How much greater, how much greater is it going to be when we come to the end of our life and we see his face and experience his face in that way for the very first time that we receive the love that he poured out for us and have eternity to spend with him. It's time to put down the baggage. 
It's time to release that heaviness. It's time to run the race that God has for you in your life. There are going to be uh, people up here that are, are willing to pray with you. If you came with a burden today, a baggage, I'd, I'd encourage you to take some time and pray with somebody today. and Allow God to set you free from that burden. Allow him to give you that hope as you redirect your attention to Jesus. I'm going to close us in prayer today. And as, as I do, if you'd like to come, you come at that time. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you sent your son so that we could experience your hope and your life and your freedom. Lord, help us to live our lives in a way where we never take that for granted. Help us to walk in freedom and in victory. Lord, today we come to you knowing that we need you, knowing that we need your life. Love you guys.